as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. back with another exclusive here to join me in and just more you know 10 best in a filmmaker's catalog is podcasting after dark Corey stevenson Woo! hey there buddy um can we pause for one second i apologize sure. Sure. uh you see you just said 10 i thought we were doing a f- top five like we, we, we each do a top five. Oh, okay i'm sorry i'm sorry my no, bad no, that's my fine. bad no, no, no i just got i just got super scared for a minute i didn't want to ru- ruin anything i'm sorry no no you'll, you'll be fine you know it's okay uh and you know uh so podcasting has been pretty hectic into the year recording this but i just figured you know this, this was not an easy filmmaker to cast there's many verhoeven fans and uh, some of them haven't seen even some of the better known ones. I, 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 it always amazes me how many people I encounter who still haven't seen Total Recall or, uh, you know, even some of his so bad they're good movies like Showgirls. So it's just like, <laughs> man, okay, really, okay. Uh, uh, so uh, he's just been what? How, how did you come into him? Was did you know he his movies? How did I discover Beerhoven? Right. Uh, he, he was pretty easy to find at the video stores and the movie channels, but you know, he would just always come up and he was a very satirical Dutch filmmaker, launched the careers of Rutger Hauer and cinematographer turned director, Jan DeBont, uh, movie baddie, Jerome Crabb. He's always been one of those. He just kind of just came out of nowhere, but, uh, how, how did you just personally just kind of cherish him? I I did, quote unquote discovered he he landed in my lap when I was nine years old and my dad took <laughs> me to go see RoboCop and uh, <laughs> and let me tell you it was that was it was fun but it was a bit harrowing um my my dad kind of. <laughs> Kind of had a, you know, he, he, we bond over movies. Um, I'm 42. I was born in 78, product of the 80s. And, woo, <laughs> woo yeah, greatest decade, guys, uh, at least for entertainment and uh, toys, especially. But um, so, but my dad also kind of uh, came from a divorce family, you know, latchkey kid, the total 80s, nine yards, the whole nine yards of the 80s. And my dad <laughs> and I bonded by going to movies together and inappropriate movies uh, age-wise for me because he took me to see Aliens when I was like eight years old. I saw Predator in the theater when I was like eight or nine I, and Robocop. And um, for the most part, 
Uh, like my dad, while he doesn't really know anything about film, he did a good job of sort of explaining to me how like the blood shots work, like how people got shot and everything and, and, and <laughs> the blood packets. But I could not figure out how a dude melted on screen. And that blew my mind. Oh, and that 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 is neat, you know, and I, you kind of need that. You know, I would always have my mother say, I think this is how they film sex scenes. I would always have my dad say, you know, this was a big deal at this time, you know, <laughs> no one had seen slow motion like this before. So everyone has a bit of film history in them or remembers a certain movie because it was just, you know, it had a certain uh, reaction to it a certain way. If you mention something, everyone instantly goes, <laughs> been a decade since I heard that one, you know, for better or worse. And so. I, I think it's interesting how many people mostly uh, remember his movies, you know, at his movies have a certain appeal. You've seen him multiple times. And so you've had his satire has eventually kind of met its mark. And at the same time, some of his over the top stuff has really uh, struck a chord with people who are watching it, you know, either for, you know, the content or emotionally or, just plot wise, you know, he has so many different layers. And so he's, de he's definitely the kind of onion. That you yeah, don't expect. He is. And, and also like you, you mentioned satire and he's, he's Dutch. So that's like, it's kind of perfect for him to make American films because he's viewing at our ridiculousness, especially back in the eighties. Um, and in what he's seen, he's, he's viewing it from an outsider's perspective, which you couldn't ask for anything better because it, it just, it, it offers a, a whole new perspective on things and yet still feels very American because what he's, what he's talking about, especially in movies like RoboCop and everything where he, uses um the media in in that world like in world media like news and stuff like that to illustrate what's happening you know in the world that he is building and that's another sort of trope that that i kind of i think that was around before him obviously but he really hammered that home as a as a really a, a good way to sort of like showing commercials on tv is a great way to build the world that these characters inhabit and it seems like he really nailed that home with movies like robocop and whatnot I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and we don't have any particular order to, you know, this list. I, I think RoboCop is the first one we could definitely launch into because, I mean, it not only sets up his style for the rest of his career, but it also, like you say, it, it it's great from an inspiring, you know, filmmaker standpoint. It's great from other kind of movie buffs to, you know, observe, you know, just if you're going to have anyone talk about anything, you want to have someone who's like a scientist or a doctor give some exposition so it doesn't feel like crap. You know, there's mm -hmm. a reason to give you all this information. And uh, news, newscaster is definitely secondary. You want to have some kind of opposition. What does the world think of this character? It's like, well, just look on the, have a character look on the TV screen, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and all of that yeah, is yeah. is is great if he didn't have such a fantastic eye for special effects. Uh, he's he's also a great director because the acting in RoboCop is fantastic. And you know, at the end of the day, that is the director's number one job is to direct the actors. Um, and but he does a great job of it. I I picked up the Arrow, you know, Blu-ray RoboCop release, Woo! and I'm, I'm I love. I mean, first off, I love everything Arrow puts out. Even even movies that I've never seen, I'll, I'll sometimes pick them up if they're on sale. I just got like Kiss of Death. Um, with Shokasugi because it was like, you know, like eight bucks on, on Amazon. I was like, sure, I'll grab that. It's Arrow. Um, but it looks, you know, so watching it, you know, in freaking you know, 2020 on a 62 inch, you know, whatever hell we have now, LED screen TVs. And I'm watching this movie and it looks 
so goddamn good. Like RoboCop himself still looks so good. There's only like just barely a few times where you can be like, okay, that's foam and not metal. But for the most part, I am completely enthralled by that movie. I am completely like in that movie when I'm watching it. I'm never sitting there going, okay, I can see where this doesn't work or this is wonky or whatever that I think the reason it holds up so well is be first off, the special effects in that movie are amazing and they're practical. That's a big deal. And the acting is great too. Every it's a, it's really a perfect storm that should never have happened for a movie like RoboCop. Absolutely. Cause you know, Ryan pictures, same thing with like the Terminator. They didn't know what they were getting into. And it's so ironic because they basically are the, you know, Omni corporation of, you know, of this movie where they just start commercializing everything is like, you don't, it, it just shows you how stupid and uh, just how much stuff went over everyone's head back then. It's yeah. like, this is an absolute anti-commercialism. This is making fun of, you know, the Reagan era, the, uh, just how the wall street tycoons, all, you know, just everything, you know, how no business is legal business. You know, it's even <laughs> in some ways kind of making fun of the police, not directly, just, just showing just like, if you need a, you know you're in trouble if you need a robotic cop to clean up crime. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, or even like, and I love the stuff that they're doing that I didn't get back then, um, like the whole military industrial complex, you know, creating the Ed 209 and, you know, I, exactly. Ronnie Cox, like, like, like Dick Jones saying, I don't give a shit if Ed 209 works or not. We have like a billion dollar contract with the military. Whether it works or not is moot. All that matters is that we have with the military and that's the dialogue that's the stuff that when i'm 42 years old i'm like oh that's kind of interesting actually like that that kind of insight into to you know again satirical insight in corporate america um i mean and it's still relevant to today you know it's a it's remarkable how relevant robocop still is and it's that's scary too absolutely that's exactly how i feel with many of the various uh, political thrillers, spy movies, and even uh, other corporate and assassin type, you know, thrillers. I, I look at them recently and I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we have not evolved as a society. They would just have like a certain just remark and everything is like, I know they didn't intend it that way, but you could use it this way. You know, <laughs> That's how we're approaching terrorism. That's how we're approaching, you know, again, society, societal norms. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty, pretty appalling. It's like entertainment. <laughs> mirroring today's world but uh yeah I, I mean and there's so many other people i i talk of it's amazing what just goes over people's heads i tell i tell them about oh yeah the jesus christ symbolism and they, they look at my head me like i'm you know i'm high on drugs i'm like really you didn't you didn't understand that you haven't heard that okay watch <laughs> it again oh you're not going to it's too violent you don't think it would date well well we'll have to agree to disagree <laughs> And it's and it's great for the the director's cut of RoboCop is so much more violent, especially uh, especially when Mr. Kinney gets destroyed by Ed Two Hundred Nine at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> he like on the director's cut, he unloads like a whole extra clip into Mr. Kinney. It's great. I I, I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, even though this is often pretty edited, you know, I watch edited movies all the time on TV. I think you can edit this for people or watch it on cut it doesn't matter it is one of those everybody's gonna watch it eventually you should see it i mean yeah it it's we've talked about how it is just one of the few uh original superhero movies and you know i think that's part of why it's also kind of kept up because it's definitely 
as satirical as any kind of comic book kind of movie. And the fact that RoboCop is a good guy, he's kind of like Superman, where there, he just he will always do the right thing. In, in, and if he has something that even if it's an internal uh, directive that that he can't override, he'll try to find a way to override it. And, you know, like that's I think that also was what makes it hold up well, you know, well as well, um, because I, we do need sometimes in this world, we do need black and white characters. We do need the ultimate good person. I know sometimes it doesn't make for the best story and I don't always necessarily love Superman's story. But I feel like there's still a need for characters like that. Uh, and I think RoboCop kind of filled that void where, you know, a kid could go up to RoboCop and he, RoboCop would always protect him no matter what. And I think that's what really kind of, even though the movie's insanely violent and very, very hard R, I think the reason it was so accessible to kids, not just because RoboCop, RoboCop looks so cool, but it's because, yeah, no matter what, RoboCop would defend you, at least, in, you know, in RoboCop 1, we're talking basically. Um, um, and and he is like an ultimate good guy. And I think that we need more of those in the world. And yeah, it's cool and all makes better stories for for more of the gray superheroes. And, you know, movies like The Boy or TV shows like The Boys and everything delve into that kind of yes, stuff. But, yes. but I like the idea that there should always still be an ultimate good, you know, character out there for people to just look up to. Yeah, use as an example, a symbol, you know? Basically, yeah. I mean... You know, years before we're having other movies try different formulas, still each other formulas. I mean, uh, I mean, the writer said he was explicitly just inspired by, you know, Blade Runner and a few other crime movies and just wanted to just kind of make some kind of surreal kind of movie as well as just, you know, and, you know, Verhoeven coming in, you know, he just couldn't resist. So he was going to have a bit of other commentary and other stuff. And people seem to forget commentary doesn't necessarily have to be in your face, you know, like. Oliver Stone or Spike Lee, it can be more kind of just, oh, gotcha, didn't mm -hmm. see that coming, just kind of, oh, I never thought of that. That that's a wild Easter egg, you know, and just, and you know, this isn't this is years before everyone's trying to sneak in stuff like for special editions or you know, only through computer green screens. It's like, no, this is all through uh, just a little other subtext. And yeah. again. Because people are so blind to either action or horror or even sci-fi and just think it's all popcorn only, you know, unless it's by an acclaimed filmmaker, they, they just don't seem to realize a lot of people do know how to build their worlds and bring it to life on screen. It's just, again, until people get off their ass and realize, hey, you can enjoy any kind of movie, you know, we're always going to have people who misunderstand or don't see that in the first version, you know, and... Mm -hmm. You know, anyone can say what they want about the sequels, the shows, or even the remake. I, 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 I think it's all relevant in some capacity because I mean, RoboCop has just been one of those. It's every generation has seen it at some point, and they they understand at least why the original film is just, you know, the to this day people still are talking about there might be an actual legit direct sequel like RoboCop Returns. Years, yeah. I I doubt it, but I, I mean. And, you know, because Verhoeven just gave up Hollywood years ago. But I mean, it's also one of those that you can't blame them. You know, it's just that immortal 80s movie. But it's more than just an 80s movie. It's more than just, you know, an effects opus. It's more than just a action with some crime elements. You know, that how rare it's was Robocop. That? It's 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 like at this point, it's just Robocop, like meaning like 
it's its own genre. It, most people, like you said, most people have seen it. it. You go up to somebody, hey man, you see you see RoboCop? Oh yeah, I love RoboCop. Like it's just at this point, it's just RoboCop. I couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> and, and I mean, to have just that kind of movie where uh, rarely would I even see. I would see people do knockoffs of Terminator, even Universal Soldier. I've rarely seen anyone try and do knockoffs of RoboCop, even with, you know, the B-movies and direct-to-video uh, crap that everyone saw eventually. is like, pretty much, they didn't want to even touch it. It's just like, okay. yeah. Commercial. <laughs> uh, well, we'll do a knockoff of Demolition Man. We're not doing yes, a knockoff yeah. of RoboCop. How, how does that work? Exactly, exactly. Now, uh, unfortunately, I do not know his uh, his Dutch work as much, so I will I'll yeah. mostly be uh, commenting on his his American stuff. But uh, I oh, love okay. I love it. And then looking through his IMDb, you know, it's funny, you know, going into this, looking into his IMDb, I, I thought he had more movies than he had done, you know, because he's to me, he's such a big name. But, you know, picking my my top five are kind of the five that I love the most from him. I kind of uh, showgirls is probably the only one that didn't really make my list. Um, everything <laughs> else I just I didn't see. So, like, I essentially like everything that I see of his. You, do you see what I'm saying? And I didn't. I didn't realize that. First off, I knew there was a lot of Dutch stuff that I hadn't seen. Um, um, as a as a content producer, it's kind of hard to to consume content as well. Um, exactly. So, so I've been wanting to watch his Dutch stuff, but I, I didn't have a chance to. But I was a little bit surprised because, like, oh, okay, let me pull my top five, and I'm like, oh, what's well, pretty much all of his five that he made in America, you know, in, in the U.S. and right. uh, you know, <laughs> Sans Showgirls. So I was like, oh, okay. So I I guess I just love everything he does and probably i will probably love his his dutch stuff too i just haven't been exposed to it really yet well and it doesn't help that long story short i mean just even though the criterion collection and all those people have you know released some of his stuff stateside you know i pretty much still had to use online for to just come across this stuff because it's just so out the ass expensive mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you can't even find it regularly, like even at a Best Buy or eBay, you know, it's just like, it's just, it's sold out so fast or just limited supplies, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it, it's so unreal. Um, so, and it didn't help that he reused so many of the same people. Uh, you can find more about him coincidentally by uh, reading Record Howard's autobiography, uh, All These Memories, which I unfortunately got to way late after uh, a month after he had passed, I felt so bad. Um, mm. uh, but uh, yeah, um, if there's any, I, I did make a list of Dutch movies to go by. Uh, if there's any movie that I think got some, that pretty much got him in the door to making RoboCop and all the other MGM uh, Caroloco movies, uh, it would definitely be Flesh and Blood. Okay. Uh, this. MGM HD, you know, has, it also has a young record hour and it's, uh, uh, it, it's basically, I think it's the most accessible out of all his movies. Cause you know, it's got all the action and, you know, the sleaze and, uh, just the abuse of power and awful bad guys who you root for their comeuppance, but it's also, it does so much commentary also on, uh, just, you know, kingdoms. And, and I think I'm surprised that people like, you know, 
the Game of Thrones type crowds haven't found this yet, you know, because it is kind of one of those kinds of movies. You know, <laughs> I, I recognize the the cover and I'm like, while you're talking, I'm looking through the IMDb and I, I do recognize it, although I will say I know why I probably never would have watched it. Even when I was younger, I was always um, always more of a sci fi guy than a than a sword and sorcerer guy. Um, right. Very few sword and sorcerer movies do I like, but I did like uh, Game of Thrones actually sort of got me to enjoy you know uh mid not medieval because it's it's a whole different universe but you know what i mean that sort of style yeah. of of storytelling or, or era and uh, uh game of thrones was helpful for that but when i was a kid i was just a huge sci-fi nerd uh, i can't blame you and i mean you've talked about it in the past before and i mean especially just you know all the various uh, uh star trek and you know romero stuff were kind of blends in you know uh, sci-fi and horror and all the yeah. other stuff and um uh, you know this one is definitely one of those you do have to be in an absolute mood but the, the older you get the more you get into just goofy fantasy stuff and you just learn to appreciate it all regardless of your mood you know it's like i'm not a harry potter guy but if you are then you know i can understand you like that versus you know hunger games if you want to just watch some more trashy fun stuff like beastmaster and Death Stalker, that's fine too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the Rings, Game of Thrones guy. Again, I get it. You know, it all goes in various waves, various forms. You end up to kind of appreciate some degree of it all. Conan, uh, Ator, you know. And so I, I did love Red Sonia and uh, the first Conan movie when I was a kid. Uh, there you go. And uh, Hawk the Slayer. There's all these goofy movies. Conquest is another uh, goofy one. L Lady Hawk with uh, Rector Hauer. Here you go. And see, this would actually be an interesting. Uh, double feature with Lady Hawk. <laughs> Lady <laughs> Hawk varies by crowd. Some people like it. Some people feel it doesn't date as well. I think it's just just see it if you're a Rutgered Howard guy. Uh, and this is definitely one of those other ones. This is an interesting one, just seeing him as a villain. And this is another one, you know, Verhoeven always barely got an R rating because he just has so much stuff. It's like you cannot just tell people cover your eyes. It's like there's some fucked up commentary and material and, you know, all his characters um, and much like basic instinct, it is one of those, uh, you know, that one often comes on TV and they managed to modify it, but Oh, just barely, you know? And yeah, uh, this one, you know, it would never be able to show, be shown on network TV. There's, you know, hollow man and, and starship, you know, they were able to edit show commonly on FX and sci-fi channel. This one, I mean, there's a flat out gangbang rape scene. There's, you know, some other, you know, and they don't show it graphically, but you know what's going on and people are laughing maniacally. And so it, it would definitely that would be the kicker on how far you're going to make it in the movie. But it's also just the other kingdom stuff and fuel stuff. And just there's just too many scenes of people just walking around, you know, in the nude or with gut gore on their armor. So it just it would not be able to be modified. You know? <laughs> not well, even if, if anything, you've piqued my interest to see this movie. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And aside from that, it. It, you know, since you've now gone into Game of Thrones type stuff, this would definitely appeal to so many people who would want to just see just kind of a even stuff. People who were more into stuff like HBO's Rome, just see kind of how, you know, there's no fantasy elements, but there is just a medieval kind of mentality to it. It it kind of reminds me of the 13th Warrior. The, oh, both the I book. like that movie. And perfect. So, you know, yeah. just that same kind of but so many idiots just would bash it and just be like it's a mindless viking movie i'm like hardly i mean even if i hadn't liked it god forbid even if i ha had disliked it i would never say it's mindless i mean yeah. there's so many uh just kind of just uh 
people from different cultures meeting each other and you see a lot of this just people taking other land and basically becoming property you get a lot of that kind of in your face kind of moments and it's done well you know, you know as an understatement and uh you know, there are no happy endings in this movie, but it, you know, I think Verhoeven is one of the rare people because he is able to really on a rewatch, you're at least able, you know, so if you're going into this movie, if you're younger and everything, you caught it or you caught it in the theater back in the day, you would have basically said, yeah, that was interesting. You know, sword fight movie is like, you go back to it is like, wow, this is very deep. And so I, I think this has some kind of audience, uh, it is strikingly well shot by Jan DeBont. Again, the cinematographer. Long story short, uh, well, actually, no, I'll, I'll leave that for when we talk about Total Recall. So okay. basically, okay. he's the other most successful Dutch filmmaker, having shot a lot of John McTurnan's work, like, you know, Hunt for Red October, Die Hard movie, as well okay. as, you know, dire director of, you know, the Speed films and Twister. And, and it's such a shame that he just vanished. He too just kind of went back to filming commercials and other Dutch movies that you can't get a hold of. And he, he just rarely appears for interviews, but uh, you know, just so this is years before he's doing other blockbusters like Flatliners and Lethal Weapon Free. And, you know, this is very, you know, he knows how he always knows how to do a mix of, you know, steady cam and yeah. uh, tracking shots, shoulder mounts, uh, mixed in with just you know establishing shots you know and uh, but ones that get your interest and so me as an indie occasional filmmaker i always get frustrated when i express to people i'm a visual filmmaker and i'm not talking about just cheap shots or just yeah. improvise or even visual effects i'm talking i picture this in my head this is how we're going to present this person this close-up and it, it's just never fails there's always someone who thinks oh yeah I'm like no i mean <laughs> we have we have two doves in the distance going over you know flying over a mountain and then we cut uh we track to the guy who's you know losing his breath or frustrated that he's being hunted you know stuff like that and yeah this is definitely one of those you definitely you know in the 80s you see so much good camera work you know it used to be it was very restricted to just tv but you or the expensive art house movies but yeah no you got Lawrence of Arabia worthy just cinematography just it's just like how did they shoot that and uh Howard had already been on a tv show that was basically a comedic version of Dutch version of Zorro basically for lack of a better word <laughs> I, for, nice. I forget the name of it I don't know it it very rarely was like an American tv but uh so he and Verhoeven were already comfortable doing that marching around in armor getting the fill uh apparently Verhoeven he often hints at what his act he wants from his actors, but he never tells them explicitly what he wants. So he pretty much gets you comfortable and only rarely does he let some bad acting slip into his movies or just have people who don't know what they want. He's like, okay, you were never ready anyway. We just, you know, you made an impression in the, you know, casting room. So that's what happened. But, yeah. uh, uh, this one, I mean, just all the other, uh, supporting actors are very good and it, it's, I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee is in this, and Th all this one's easier to find in America, right? Than than the Absolutely. other ones. Yeah, eventually, okay. you're gonna find some video store that, uh, uh, that is showing this, and uh, you know, it it'll range probably from you know five to twenty bucks, depending on what brand you're getting of it. But I, I think there's a Blu-ray release of it, and I, I'm sure you could come across it. But okay. 
Uh, yeah, that's the second one I've picked so far. And I, 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 I can't stress enough, you know, anyone who's a Verhoeven person, if, even if you're not going to go and do all the homework and look at it, you only like his action sci-fi oriented or stuff. I, I think you should still seek this one out because it, it, it's just very mind blowing. And, uh, in a, in a dogma 95 style where it just exists for argument sake, you know, right. You, right. Everything's pretty easy. And yet then you, you still have a few other just surprises in there that just make it all the more special. And the ending I can talk about the ending nonstop, but I don't want to spoil it for others who haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. Now we want to see it. So don't, so don't spoil it. Yeah. For yeah. Me. <laughs> uh, well, I definitely spoiler in the future. I might have to bring it up if we rank the top 10 Rutger Howard movies. Because <laughs> okay. like, is how the character ends up. That's that, that's just vital to the performance and uh, how it's shot and everything. Um, it's definitely one of those. It, just the final stay. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself. I, I do feel like it is a, it, it, it's also got just some creative battles. The, the stuff with the dynamite is very well thought out because, you know, dynamite is hard to come by. So, you know, there's just Verhoeven, all, what he always does so well is just have little minor stuff in there. Like, uh, and it's just amazing how some people will just kind of be contrary to do it and it's like no that is the joke what you just said <laughs> you know <laughs> he knows what he's doing and so if you were to just say oh you know that's not the most accurate and everything is like that's exactly it he's gonna do a little but he's not he's not exactly like the guy who did walker or repo men where you really have to be in the mood to understand it all right. he's more of a if you on the second or third rewatch you'll realize this is not a stupid popcorn movie or a decent laid back movie this is a very good movie um uh, you know so please put your rating from raise your rating from a seven to a eight or a nine please um uh yeah no I, I i'm done with that one i can't recommend it enough i i think everyone's gonna really like all the layering and the dissecting of everybody and uh the pain really pays off because you, you just root for everybody's just tragic uh out call and the battles also move the story forward it's you know Ver verhoeven does a good job you know with violence for me he is the more kind of adrenalized uh david cronenberg he he is more than just gonna blow up your head he's also kind of gonna sugarcoat a few other things in there but then once he's done babying you he will just let it just you know well on you <laughs> and that's the one thing I, I always loved about uh, Verhoeven, at least his you know American stuff, is I love his squibs. They're they're so chunky and big, you know. And of course, the that is done also satirically as well. He he, you know, it was by choice that that you know these bullet holes when people get shot in his movies are so explosive because he's just like this is it's all satire that that's all you know that when you look at it you're like okay it's fun but the, but like your point you're saying he's also makes it very entertaining so when you're just watching it for the first time or you're casually watching something like robocop you're like oh i'm just having a good time there's the blood packets are huge and then but then you start distilling everything down you start picking pieces apart and you realize that <laughs> every single thing is done by design down to the how explosive the, the the blood packets the squibs are because it's all there to service the satire that he is the satirical story that he is telling exactly exactly and it, it becomes later on definitely on his last few ventures with care local pictures for those who don't know uh 
most of those guys have passed away. They were responsible for many other Planet Hollywood franchises, Die Hard with a Vengeance, the Rambo, first free Rambo movies, Terminator 2 and Free, and just, uh, you know, in the 80s and 90s, they were eating it up, but they were very heavily involved. And, you know, they, they were also from European influence, so they had... Uh, you know, they, they were pretty much the millennium films of their day. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> not quite and, canon though. Not quite, not quite canon. No, no, not at all <laughs> close to canon. But, uh, and, and unfortunately, they went bankrupt after a while. But um, for a while, Verhoeven was their go-to with their various movies, and they, uh, um, uh, it's one of the. F- they definitely were the ones they embraced it all, and uh, uh, w- with this one, they. You know, they uh, were very good with just motivating him, saying, okay, you want this kind of actor, this kind of actor? Okay, cool. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living we have exploitation we have italian horror we have zombies we have slashers we have crime films we have spaghetti westerns we even have sci-fi and sex comedies so take a dose of they must be destroyed on sight as needed and let the hosts lee russell daniel harper paul romali and the odd guest host cure what ails you warning may cause atrophy African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say, ah, 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 all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you <laughs> no, don't run the listeners away Pete. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace
As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping absolutely. up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch one. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love good movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-
Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy Where the one life's black holes are gratuitous boobies I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast. Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure.
Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. We now continue with our program. But let's get him. Um, so I guess, I guess we can move on to Total Recall, if that's okay. Because I think uh, that's... Would, would, would that be Total Recall? That's an inside joke for myself. I apologize uh, <laughs> to you and everybody else. Uh, a buddy of mine, oh, um, a buddy of mine calls it to- total recall, and now I, I was amused so much by it that I can't not call it total recall anymore. But um, yeah, that was just for me. I apologize to your listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's on my list. Um, I, I actually put mine in order, but but uh, uh, in Robocop was number one, by the way. Um, but yeah, to- total recall. Total recall is uh is on my list <laughs> my uh and side note my wife loves this movie as well and uh i saw this in the theater when i was i guess 12 years old uh, at that time and and it was another one i mean i was an arnold kid growing up um you know everyone was like are you are you sylvester sloan are you into sylvester sloan movies are you into arnold movies i was an arnold kid i was a jason Voorhees kid you know because you had to have your camps and uh and i was a star wars kid versus versus star trek so uh arnold <laughs> I, I love Arnold, always have, always loved Arnold movies, love Predator. Also, I think it's too, Arnold tend to, tended to do kind of sci-fi stuff. Um, I think he never shied away from that. And I always kind of really dug that. But uh, Total Recall is such a cool movie. And another example of what you're saying about Robocop and Flesh, Plus Blo- Flesh and Blood is that there's when you watch it casually, it's just fun. It's just fun. But when you start picking it apart and start analyzing it, you know, you start thinking like, wait a minute, is he really under? Like, did that whole thing happen at the end? Like, in, in, there's actually these open-ended questions. Is Did all this really happen? Is it all just a part of his Total Recall experience, you know, and everything? Exactly. And then you start realizing, you're like, wait a minute, this isn't just a dumb sci-fi Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. It's got things to say and everywhere, just like RoboCop. It's got things to say about social norms uh, all over the place. You know, just Hollywood. He's taught, you know, he's also making fun of Hollywood and stuff. He's, it's, it's, it's so interesting, but like all of his other stuff, Total Recall, it's fun on the surface level, but when you dig deeper, it's still fun. It's still such a fun movie to watch, but there's so much more there than you originally thought. 
I could not have said it better. Uh, it, it, this is definitely one of those. Uh, there's plenty of people who won't even bother with this because they're like, oh, this inspired other cyberpunk stuff like Minority Report, The Matrix. Oh, I don't like those. I don't want to watch this. And it's like, no, please watch this. And oh, I don't like Arnold. Well, then there's nothing to talk about. But you should still watch this. This is one of those. Verhoeven, it doesn't matter what the actor is or how infamous they later became. He knows how to use them, at least in the context of his this is cool seeing, again, Ronnie Cox and, once again, another villain role. Michael Ironside was around the same time doing Total uh, Highlander 2, so it's funny seeing him in this one and then later in that one. <laughs> yeah, I lo uh, love me some Ironside, man. Yeah, and like you say, it's like you watch it on TV, it's like it's pretty intense, but you would have no idea this is borderline, you know, X-rated. And then it's definitely one of those that definitely spoofs, you know, Star Trek as well as even Die Hard 2 from this around the same year. You know, just the airport scene, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you would never have that in an American movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The hero is in there and he's getting more people killed as a result. That's pretty funny. Dark. Yeah, when he like uses that poor sap on the L escalator as as the human shield. Now, of course, he is our hero. So the the that poor sap was already shot by the villain before he used him as a human shield. But the fact that he's still using him as a human shield is pretty awesome. Not going to lie. <laughs> Absolutely. And these guys are basically Gestapo. So I'm sure Verhoeven has some illusions there. You know, yeah. <laughs> instead of the Holocaust, this is basically becoming just a massacre. Um, and um, uh, it's true. The ending, like you say, it definitely the red pill, blue pill. You know, most people refer to that or any other kind of Alice in Wonderland logic. But nowadays, other people are like, wow, the Matrix was inspired by this. And so mm -hmm. um, fun fact. Uh, so Jan DeBont, who did not work on this, but, you know, cinematographer, it's often been joked about in various blogs. You can find a lot of stuff on this that Jan DeBont basically betrayed his mentor Verhoeven because he basically snatched up the rights to do a sequel to this. Oh. <laughs> ironically, I guess Verhoeven didn't really know about it, but you could say he had the last laugh because it always would pan, never pan out. And eventually it got rewritten by a former Homeland security expert in the wake of nine 11. And then it came across Spielberg's people and became a little known movie called minority report. Mm, oh, that was, that was supposed to be uh, total recall part two, huh? So there you go. And Jane huh. DeBont, uh, you know, is credited as a producer, even though none of his, you know, changes, you know, retained, but that's just how it works. You know, that's always the compromise. If you've worked at it at some point during development, hell, you still get a producer credit. Yeah. Um, even if it's just, I, gave it to another producer to give across to their desk. And that's how such and such movie ma got made. But I, I have to bring up the video game <laughs> and the TV show, the TV show. I'll just say this. It's a very boring showtime show. I saw it on Hulu and edited form. And it was just, it was like Skinamax, but just like barely even entertaining in that respect. It was just very boring. They would often show it edited on sci-fi channel and the pilot was often available as a like the first two episodes were available as like a two-hour movie okay and some of those mill creek miramax you know multi uh movie packs and people made a fuss out of it because you know oh it's got other famous canadian actors oh martin sheen appears as a board member in the opening episode uh it doesn't make a lick of difference it's just it's just more of a blade runner sequel than it is a total recall but what year did that come out? I've never even heard of that Total Recall show. It was show. 99. It was oh. like it was shown on Showtime. Then they 
broadcast remaining episodes on it was one of the other ones they just moved it to sci-fi and syndication and it still didn't do well in ratings so they just pulled it anyway i um, I, I was 99 i was i think i was in college at that point so <laughs> yeah I, I, I didn't have cable i was too busy you know drinking and 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 you know trying to get through film school um and in towson university but uh in maryland yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you didn't miss anything ultra carbon is more of a true blade runner total recall sequel yeah, so yeah <laughs> uh, ironically though have you ever been tempted to play the Minority Report video game? What system did that come out for? I Let me look it up real fast. I know I had it on PlayStation 2. I could have sworn there was a GameCube version, but let me look. I had, and, a, I had a PlayStation 2 and I had a GameCube, but I, I never played Minority Report. That That's for sure. Uh, it was always a lot of fun, and it was one of those my... I would play with my brother. We would switch off. Okay, yeah. So it was released for all of them. It was developed by, you know, Fox Interactive, Treyarch. And yeah, it was released for Game Boy Advance, GameCube, and Xbox, just like I thought. But I would always see it, but I always got it used years later. And ironically, this is more like Total Recall. I mean, don't get me wrong. The movie itself has its moments, but this is way more over-the-top and violent. Like, all the time, you can throw cops in front of each other, use them as body shells without, and, and still without pulling a grand theft auto oh you know your heat waves up <laughs> and, yeah yeah and uh and the player looked and was voiced by clancy brown oh. so this is definitely where he gets a high kill count and it's not from all the other stuff so it's cool to see again here's another highlander starship troopers connection <laughs> it is um it it's a lot of fun and uh people should watch it just because it's just one of those best angry at the world not so pc movies and i don't mean to say that you know for today's neo-Nazi society. I mean to say that is it's just a fun, mindless, over-the-top game. It, it was basically a precursor to stuff like Just Cause and all this other stuff. And, okay, okay. And, oh, wow, I'll have to look that up. I dude, That one, yeah, went under my radar. I think I had an aversion to licensed, you know, games back in the That being said, there were a few that slipped under the radar that were pretty impressive, like uh, Robocop versus Terminator for, for Super Nintendo. Oh! <laughs> yeah, talked about a very cool game that should have become a movie, and everyone would always mock it because you know those sequels became infamous after a while. And it's like yeah. uh, that you know this is another one. It, it had a C or a D on every single review side, and so I had Amazon not been so helpful back in the day, saying, "No, oh, this is so much fun. It's a mindless yet very interactive game." I never beat it, but it was one of those. Just the cutscenes were fun. If you had, if you let it. Uh, the screen just kind of fade away after a while. It would just have random just Easter eggs and characters dancing in the background. It was a <laughs> it was a nutty game. It was wow. Don't let the Metacritic, you know, fifty four out of hundred score dissuade you. If you are looking for some used PlayStation games to kill time at, you'll you'll have a lot of fun with this one. <laughs> nice. I'll to keep an eye out for that one. <laughs> yeah, if it's like on the free dollar, you know, entertainment shelf, you can definitely snatch it up. <laughs> uh but yeah it was by activision is definitely one of, it will always be my <laughs> top 10 in there somewhere just because it is just so outrageously violent and it's rated t but don't let that dissuade you i mean you, know, you you know, you're having some fun tech some fun armor and gadgets you can use and it, it's just and you can steal people's jet packs and just use it around without running out of you know fuel it's so much fun it's i can't say enough I'm, but, uh, I'm looking it up as you're talking. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, so yeah, Total Recall definitely is one of those, I think, for those who 
it's a perfect double feature with RoboCop and even Blade Runner because uh, it does get a little emotional near the end. Uh, it launched, you know, it made so many other character actors become better known as a result. Rachel Dakotan, I associated with this movie so much. Uh, you know, and then there's Sharon Stone, and then there's, uh, uh, you know, Ironside, and then there's um, Cox, and then there's even Robert Picardo, you know, future Star Trek Stargate actor, you know, as the voice of the robot and and the cab driver. Yeah, um, he was also in uh, the Howling. He was the yes, yeah. Yep. yeah. So which I still don't even see. Like I, you know, I Howling is one of my favorite werewolf movies, and every time I see him, I still don't see Picardo there. Like it's just like I know you're Picardo, but I do not see you as Picardo at all. It is one of those is like blinking a miss is like really you know because he just he was commonly again he was commonly in movies by this person, so you, it's just easy to uh, just. And he his screen time is very limited, especially if you count the number of shots. I don't think he has a single close up. So it is one of those like, yeah, it's easy to just miss him each time. You know? yeah. <laughs> because the Screen Actors Guild rules are so weird. You know, he's practically a featured extra. And um, uh, Howling's a good counterpoint. This is definitely one of those, you know, if you were not the most open minded person, you would think, OK, yeah, this is an over the top movie. He's like, yeah, but no, this has so much heart. This has the proper references to other movies as well that are going to take multiple rewatches, but it's not like today's world where a homage is just so forced out to where you're like, yeah, you just flat out just copied it. You know, you didn't yeah. even, you know, you know, add your two no cents. subtlety. There's, there's no art form to the homage anymore. It's just, yeah. it's like, just, just put it there. Let's just quote the thing. And yeah, I think that probably came from the Tarantino slash uh, Kevin Smith uh, era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're our, free. our, our, you know, like where our homage is, is we just quote it like, like, oh, you know, they, that's like, that's not an homage. That's, you're just quoting it. That's all you're doing. Uh, yeah. I, and, and, you know, Brian De Palma gets a lot of shit for it. But truth be told, he was in love with Hitchcock. So he lived and breathed that there's a big difference there. And he does plenty of other subtleties and graphicness that Hitchcock would never dare take. Yeah. So if anything, he's just I call him the. Uh, just next to Ken, the son of Hitchcock. He <laughs> has plenty of Hitchcock moments, but uh, he does it with love. So it's hardly just a flat out still, right. you know, compared to you look at Mission Impossible Free, it stills almost frame for frame. The true lies bridge ambush. Yeah. Before just doing a, letting Tom Cruise do his thing to where it's like, seriously, come on. You know, it's like <laughs> it. it it's more than just it. when I watch you know, all these Millennium Films movies, I know that they're in love with all the 80s movies. And <laughs> even if they force it or don't do a half ass job, I just eat it up anyway, because I know there was still some expensive stuff that went into it. Yeah. And, and I, I look at all the other mainstream stuff and it's like, eh, but that wasn't even good on paper. <laughs> um, this one. Total Recall is definitely one that I see kind of the most imitated, the go-to for people making a cyberpunk sci-fi stuff, because in recent years, people have realized it doesn't have to be just direct-to-video, you know, goofy, uh, you know, made-for-TV B-movie or TV show. It can actually be a big, big-scale movie, and Recall, you know, they definitely influence a lot by, and unfortunately, it doesn't matter how you market it. At the end of the day, nowadays, everyone has to market it more kind of like Inception or Matrix. But this is overall, the same general crowd, people yeah. who like those kind of mixture of genres and just like you say that this is a bigger, 
more far. I, this is basically the Omni, you know, Robocop Corporation. You know, if it's more than just, you know, uh, uh, you know, well, that futuristic, you know, Earth society. This is, you know, if they went to Mars. Yeah. Like they're, they're running the entire Mars, essentially. It would be if Omni, yeah, Consumer Corps was running Mars and it's like one guy against the entire planet versus one cyborg guy versus, you know, just a corporation. But yeah, it is that concept escalated bigger, you know, and yeah, I, I, I still think we're going in that direction. Um, it's, you know, it's the aliens, uh, uh scenario where corporations, uh, Weyland Utani is going to own the planets that we go to in the future. And it'll be, you know, Amazon planet and, you know, and Lyft planet, yes. and Uber planet, yes. crap like that, you know, stupid shit like that. And, uh, if you Trump know, like goes to Mars, exactly. <laughs> if, uh, that's basically what, call is but uh, i will say i I would be remiss if i didn't mention that i almost can never say the words two weeks without afterwards putting my hands in my mouth going (laughs) two weeks and you know if i'm in public people are like well what are you doing that's weird and i'm like i can't you don't understand i can't hear or say the words two weeks without doing that (laughs) you're right it is just one of those is is like okay just referencing a movie i'm sorry you've got your you're stuck on up your ass about this please just watch, the movie, watch the movie you'll know what i mean when you see it and <laughs> most people do know the two weeks thing because a lot of times we're like are you doing total recall <laughs> yes yes oh, I am. Thank, thank god i'm not so fortunate uh, the, the most i'm gonna get is howdy quaid and they're like oh wait no howdy quaid Oh, you're still not getting it. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. If I hear the name Quaid, like Randy Quaid or something, I'll have to go Quaid. Right. You know, it'd right. be like Quado. <laughs> exactly. You got to emphasize it. It's like, howdy's friends. And I know if I, if I was Quaid, I never wanted to touch Quado's hand because I hated how wet it looked. Oh, God. It's so gross. <laughs> I hate you, Quado. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. And. Apparently, the ABC TV version of this, when it premiered back in the day, was very confusing. You know how violent the scene is when he's almost terminated by one of his coworkers, and it, you know, ends in the death in the alleyway. Is when he first yeah. kills, and he's all freaking out. He's all gory and everything. He's muscular, but he is not used to this. Um, and it's just, it's both funny and just, you know, shocking. And uh, you know, it's one of those they just knock him out, and you go to commercial break. And then you come back, apparently. I, I had various people tell me about this on the forums, and he's already running again. <laughs> like, what did I miss? <laughs> there's like, we we can't fix this for TV. We're just going to cut yeah, it out completely. There's no, there were no alternate frames of this. And no. so it's so funny no. how Arrow's version of RoboCop, as well as Universal's recent party edition of stuff like Scarface, have embraced this. It's been so cool to where you can jump to have the TV edits, as well as the kill counters and yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, with like with pop culture, I feel like, you know, yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon was was probably like one of the first <laughs> like the first time when like like that is such like a deep cut, you know, pop culture. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and, and but people could like, you know, but the, the 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 stiffs, as as Vinkman would call them, the stiffs, you know, they would get it. They would understand. And but I love how now we as as film nerds have like, yeah, we've we've embraced these these things that we hated as a kid we all hated the tv edit but now that we're older and we've seen robocop a thousand times we're like well crap I'd rather, I'll, let's see what the tv edit has and because it has a bunch of uh amazing stuff in it you know like even it's, exclusive it's, scenes that aren't even in yeah 
yeah. deleted scenes. Uh, yeah. There's apparently that's the case with the perfect weapon. There, you actually hear Mariska Hargitay actually talk. <laughs> she doesn't talk in the American and the you know theatrical version. So you know, like you say, there's just all this stuff is like I wish they would release an extended version of these movies because those who got introduced to it on regular TV, you know, that was all we had. And like you say, sometimes you would just watch the movie because you've seen it a billion times and you're bored and you just want to see it despite all the commercials and just uh, the stuff. And unfortunately, TNT has just not taken as much love to it, even though they and the other channels have recently started playing a lot of movies on cut. Uh, I cannot watch their versions of even The Expendables or Olympus Has Fallen because in both, they take out the villain's final death scene. And it's like, those are like the least graphic out of all the carnage on screen. And don't have me watch all these people befell and encounter violence and not see the awesome, you know, foul one liner followed by the graphic knife and gunshot death. It, it's just one of those is like, because they for one of those, they just cut to the villains and then the character said, you know, the characters have both shot the person to death and they say, instead they just go to, oh, let's call it a tie. It's like, it doesn't make sense. I didn't, I, all I see is their body on the floor. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, and TBS still shows this version of Die Hard 2 to date. I'm, I would commonly saw Total Recall on there and it was always a lot of fun. And you, TNT occasionally still shows it late at night at 2 a.m. And it is one of those is like, you, you can see where they're making the edits, but it's not intrusive. But it is one of those is like, it's it's kind of darkly even more humorous. Is like, oh, I see what you did. No one knows <laughs> that the stabbing death is way more graphic. There's blood spurting all over Arnold's face. <laughs> um, and it, it's... normally I don't like animal deaths, but the rat death is actually very hysterical just because it just illustrates the villains more. Yeah. Uh, You know, to them, that's all Arnold's character is just another rat. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so fun. Like you say, it is, this movie does do a good job of just showing how, just because they're a corporate ruthless corporation doesn't mean they're good at their job. They are sloppy. They're not trying to hide their presence. They're just trying, they're basically both the police and everything else. So they're just, Basically, I, for all we know, they're probably killing the families of these widows and all these other oh, for people. Sure, yeah, slaughtered. exactly. Or killing, uh, and if they're not killing them, then they're just paying them off. It's like we're so sorry, we're so sorry, it won't happen again. You know, th- uh, this is dark. Watching this in a Black Lives Matter post uh, yeah. economy is like Jesus. So they they're not only just shooting on sight, but I mean, people laugh about seeing you know the laser sights and everything. These guys, I mean. They can't even point the lasers right way, but they illustrate that perfectly. I mean, the the coworkers who are in on the pay, you know, they're yeah. not good at killing Arnold. They're just only good at just throwing a punch and talking shit. Bet you didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> and so that gets you in the mood for all this over-the-topness. And see, today's movies, they just introduce over-the-top stuff, but they don't give you enough to get used to it to where you're like, oh, okay, I know what I'm in for. Yeah, And it's just... Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of snobs who will argue about the silliest things. I'm like, seriously, you had a problem with that movie compared to this movie? I mean, the first 10 minutes should have been enough. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it should have told you what you're in store for right there. Yeah, I shouldn't. If you didn't know that it was going to be unrealistic, then you really are this dumb. But (laughs) speaking of running, they're not only doing a bad job of running the planet, but this does kind of parody Arnold's previous roles with sci-fi, like, you know, the violence of Terminator, as well as uh, just the other cyberpunk adventure, the running man. And so yeah. I was more of a total recall guy growing up, but running man, I eventually 
became a huge fan of. It is one of those, along with Predator, you cannot not like it as an Arnold fan. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You won't necessarily like it on the first go-round, but please, rewatch it. You, you'll you get something out of it, especially with how crappy reality TV is now. I secretly want to do a version of Running Man or Total Recall, but with the cast of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Imagine... Yeah. <laughs> imagine <laughs> how... A mutant, there you go. Imagine how, in the future, we might have... We might not have a Mad Max society, but we might have people just, they want to see the next step of wrestling. They want to see you go all the way and actually injure people. I'm surprised we haven't gotten to that now. Just, you know, right? using using people like, like exactly like Running Man, using people on death row, uh, you With know, and, 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 and I don't, first off, I don't really necessarily believe in capital punishment, but it's there and they're there. And I'm surprised we, you know, we haven't dipped into that yet. It, it, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a very good thing that societally we haven't done that yet, but I am surprised that it hasn't gone there yet. Yeah, much like I've had to argue with people who are still looking at old statistics, it's like, no, cops are not in danger. Other people are in danger from cops. You know, all the cop fatalities have been from crooked cops or other right. scandals, rampart type stuff. Um, same thing with porn. You know, everyone's like, oh, don't all these people still are brainwashed to think don't teach sex ed. I'm like, no, teach sex ed so that your kid doesn't impregnate someone. There is no other in between of that. And same thing with porn. Let them watch porn. They, yeah. Yeah. Well, they as, will, as they, somebody who worked at an adult video store for 10 years, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm fine with exactly, that. <laughs> exactly. You, you much rather, you have less responsibility. You realize, you know what? I'm actually not ready to you know, uh, get into this serious relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, and, and then there's all, same thing with uh, video games. Everyone's like, oh, it'll encourage them to get violent. No, bullshit. It'll get resist the urge and all the stuff that everyone's connected with it. It's been again, it's been the same thing as with violent movies. The people who are it's like the guy who shot Ronald Reagan. He had seen Taxi Driver a million times. He was planning something like this and he just needed inspiration. Yeah. It is not the other way around where everyone's yeah. like, oh, you will be instantly become a psychopath if you're playing this all day. Nope, that is so not it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. As, as someone who literally spent their entire life uh, watching insanely violent movies by Paul Verhoeven and playing violent video games and reading violent comic books, I am not that. Not, I've never been in a fight before, so that should tell you, exactly. you know, everything you need to know. There, I'm kind of a wimp. <laughs> exactly. There were plenty of violence movies we would grow up with, and it's like, yeah, I don't have the stomach for that, or I can watch it at least once. I like talking about it. I don't like watching it. You know. <laughs> there, yeah. there's plenty of movies again movies just kind of made us find our voice I did better on an essay just because I was able to use parallels and you know certain mystery novelists better to depict my parallels and uh, just illusions that I'm trying to get across versus I read you know War and Peace and you know a yeah. hundred fucking times no I uh, even when I couldn't necessarily get, grasp the script to screen, I understood, you know, I, I read reviews. I read why I disagree so heartily with this or why I think this movie is a guilty pleasure or good, but not, you know, high art. And so I think everyone goes for that cycle, especially, you know, the video store days and comic books. And it's just basically you're figuring out your mentality, your persona versus why you like what you like you know it 
And I, I, I'm the same way. I kind of grew up utilizing, um, uh, like male characters in movies to kind of, you know, frame how I sort of wanted to be, uh, mainly mainly because, you know, my, my dad, I mean, my dad and I have great relationship now, but he wasn't really around that much when I was younger. So I kind of looked up to these characters and I always look up to characters that are kind of nothing like me. Um, I'm, you know, very outspoken and, and soft. Whereas I look up to characters like, you know, uh, Hicks from Aliens. Uh, it's the, yes. the quiet, strong guy, you know. Um, Mad Max, uh, you know, Max Rakitansky, uh, Boba Fett. It's all uh, it's all these characters that are silent and, and cool, which is exact opposite of me. But it, they did help me kind of, you know, have have little these little weird father figures in my life when I didn't have one. Or and that, you know, do growing up, I didn't know any that I was doing that. You know what I mean? But um, even now to today. I'll still use like films to to illustrate how I'm feeling, uh, films to illustrate how I'm, you know, how I'm thinking or, or what I like, I, what I want to accomplish or who I want to be. I'll still films is what I use to kind of when I'm talking to somebody as an example, but also in my own head, you know, kind of like, oh, this is this is my barometer. This is this. And maybe that's not, you know, realistic. Obviously, it's 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 not it, it's it's. <laughs> You know, these are fictional characters and everything, but they, they meant something to us, you know, and, and everybody has has characters that mean something to them. And uh, and I think as I get older, I, I definitely dive more into the characters. I like to, to kind of figure out their their backstory. I like to figure out what got them to where they were and stuff like that. But when I was younger, I would use these male characters to kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, try to, to mimic and, and be like um, and as much as i loved arnold i i he was always he was never in that category because it was like well i'm never gonna be that big so <laughs> it, it's just he was more for like uh he's fun but i do love me some arnold you know I, I really really do i think he's fantastic but but yeah it's it's these movies are for me they're they're about the characters dude uh truly like at the bottom of a, at the end of the day it's it's the characters and and, and just you know how realistic they are or or if they're doing stuff that that is logical to that character in that moment in that movie that's the kind of stuff that i love when 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 the writer and the director knows that character so well that they never that they you know they they don't they don't betray that character in in the writing you know i i think that's the best way of saying it because it's definitely one of those it's i mean you and zach mentioned you know i can't remember which of you got into teaching because you were Zach, zach did Right. And I shared a lot of his frustration, you know, because people would show movies in class, but they wouldn't tell you what it was about. They just wanted you to shut up because, you know, it has some relevance. And I think, like you say, is like movies are supposed to just be larger than life, but, you know, look a certain way, feel a certain way, be out of this world. And yeah, seeing people like Bean and Arnold were definitely one of many people who I would just relate to just and everyone just wants to be critical of how their acting was and everything. It's like, yeah, but no, they became the character. Yeah. They were right for the role. They ha- made you feel the certain way. It's like, I'm not that way at all, but, you know, I, I want to be. <laughs> and Or I want to at least have someone like that on my side as a friend who's flawed. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, you, you, you I, I, I want, yeah, uh, Hicks to, uh, you know, as a kid, I wanted Hicks to be my dad, you know, and not again, nothing against my dad, you know, um, but even it Kyle was like, Reese, yeah, yeah, even Kyle Reese, except, you know, he should have put on some underwear before he put on that, that, that dirty man's, uh, dirty, dirty jeans, but, uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Even when I was a kid, I was like, I was like, ooh, that's gross, Kyle. 
<laughs> that's gross. Yeah, and <laughs> it never got easier from there. Um, <laughs> no, it was a da- it was a downward spiral for old uh, Kyle Reese from there. Uh, perfect. Um, <laughs> so you know that's free movies of ours so far. Um, yes, I'm just gonna mention uh, four different or five different movies. Uh, six, my bad. Uh, uh, that Verhoeven did, just so it's just kind of easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and it's Spetters, Turkish Delight, uh, Black Book, L, and uh, Soldier of Orange. All these movies, absolute, uh, just in short, absolute must-scenes, uh, must-sees, because they... They, you see a lot of Verhoeven's war drama in it, influence in it. You also see, again, much like with Basic Instinct and uh, Robocop, just the wanting to belong, even flesh and blood, people being used by other people for corporate greed or for sexual pleasure and everything, and becoming victims as a result, doing it without becoming exploitation level. And, you know, Verhoeven's been accused of that before. And it's like, no, he's commenting on exploitation. In many ways, yeah. he's making those kinds I never... of movies. I never think of, of Verhoeven as as exploitation. Like even even Hollow Man, there's he, he's doing like Verhoeven himself is like doing exploitation type of things in the movie with like say for example the lady getting you know molested by the invisible hand and you know you know as well as I do you know half the reason they did that is because they were just like let's see if we can make a CGI boob you know like it's like you know that that they are doing it for fun but at the same time. It wasn't in hot, like especially in Hollow Man. It's not inserted in there for for just to have an invisible, like have a CGI boob. It, it, that's exploitation. It's in there to illustrate the madness that that character is going through and how he was always uh, hollow on the inside. And, and you know, yeah, like, it, it's, it's not it's, CC by today's standards, but it's just showing you when some. It's making fun of the original, you know, '40s, you know, monster movies, yeah. much like. However, unlike, you know, some of the other schlocky stuff that Sony did at around the same time, like Anaconda and everything, it is way, it's might be heavy handed in certain areas, but it's also trying to be like, just saying, hey, if I was a mad scientist, would I do this? And it's like, yeah, of course, he's an unstable guy, so he's abusing other people. And it's just it. It shouldn't have even been made here. It should have been made overseas. Oh, ho- Hollow Man? Probably. I, I, I think just so many people... I understand that there's a lot of underwritten stuff, but there's also plenty of other stuff that I think it benefits, especially from Kevin Bacon, because he's already played characters like this, you know, in uh, other movies like uh, 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 Flatliners and everything. Just people were not ready for this kind of thing. They were just like, it got over advertised. They're like, oh, it's a B movie. I'm like, yeah, well, everything was kind of a B movie at some point, you know, the original Terminator is Indiana mm-hmm. Jones is a B movie, you know, <laughs> alien yeah. star Wars. Those are making fun of older serials and everything. So that's hard to come across and build that kind of thing. And I mean, Verhoeven admitted he was a merc on it, but this is one of those, we can politely agree to disagree with, you know, the director versus the entertainment value of the actual movie. I think it's still, it's worth a watch. You should still, see it whether you see it on cable or whatever because it is interesting just seeing uh just how just the 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 tech makes it worth a watch 
you know, I, it's yeah, I I love that movie. Honestly, I I wish like somebody like Arrow or somebody would put out a, a good version of it on Blu-ray Um, because it's, it's 20 years old at this point. Like, first off, holy shit, <laughs> I can still like remember seeing the theater like it was yesterday. Um, But uh, I I found that movie to be very entertaining. And, you know, we I love the invisible boob grope. I mean, I, I mean, you don't call me sleazy C uh, on, on podcast after dark for nothing. I mean, I was like, hey, I love seeing that shit. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes a movie needs just a dash of sleaze in it. And I feel like I feel like we're kind of missing that these days. We, we you know, it's either you're you are a sleazy movie and then you're just a sleazy movie. But Veroven did a great job of just sprinkling in the sleaze. And, you know, and it was OK because it all fits with his it all fits under the satire. We knew he wasn't a perv in real life. We just were just showing, hey. He's this over the top kind of guy. Yeah. And and for better or worse, it was interesting just uh, seeing uh, just for lack of a better word, just seeing a kind of guy who, I mean, again, you got the evil corporation and you got the guys who are like, we're not, you know, they're, it's got a little minor. Most this went over everyone's heads. I thought that this did a good job of also showing how, like medicine kind of parallels to the AIDS virus mm, yeah. and how they, you could even do that with Corona nowadays. People want to just take the first drug that they feel less shabby about and just put it on the market. And here he's like, people are experimenting with this, but after a while they're like, what are we researching again? And it's just <laughs> showing you, it's like no one is communicating with each other. And then, you know, lo and behold, you got a guy who's unstable who hates people who wants to just kind of use this to abuse people. And so it's like, okay, that's a pretty interesting parallel. And yeah, this could easily be like all the other corporations and all and Verhoeven's other movies. But for whatever reason, it was just one of those they could never it always went over everyone's head. They always were like, Oh, it's a shitty screenplay with some fun visuals. Like, I think you're just not paying attention, or you're just because it's not Shakespeare, you just gotta talk throw the little guy under the bus. Um yeah. And and that was like his last big U.S. film, wasn't it? Uh, Hollow Man. That's the one that made him give it up. And, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a perfect segue. Uh, uh, Starship Troopers and Basic Instinct, I think you said, are on your list. Yes, yes, they are. I, I'll say um, I have a lot more to say about Starship Troopers uh, than Basic Instinct. Okay, yeah. I, I've, I got to actually jump on another call, unfortunately. But uh, Troopers, I was able to actually... Inter- my brother always remembered seeing the Roughnecks uh, CGI cartoon that oh, created. I, I had Halo. that. I, by the way, I, I have that. Um, we are going to be doing it as an episode of TV Obscura on Podcast After Dark. Um, oh, I love that. Awesome. I love that show. Oh, that's fantastic. I look forward to that one. Uh, this is another one. Again, my, my parents think it's just a stupid movie, you know, with some interesting actors. And, you know, my uncle's the only one who really got it. And this was definitely another one. Uh, I was a fan of the book, was disappointed that it wasn't like the book. Then I realized, oh, the book is basically a Nazi book. And this yeah. is the anti-Nazi thing. I introduced my brother to it again when we went and saw the Rift Tracks live event. And it was one of those, I could, the riffs were just as hysterical, even though I legit liked the movie. Yeah. That, and they admitted that they felt, oh shit, you know, I hope Casper Dandian is in the audience. I don't want to piss him off. You know, and, and it was a fun, I saw it twice. It was a lot of fun. And 
I, I, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I love Starship Troopers. I It wasn't my number one. It was actually my number two I was going to put on the list. And I saw in the theater, I saw it, I think, three times uh, opening weekend. I have the I have the board game of Starship Troopers oh, here. Oh, awesome. Um, For- yeah, I, I think Avalon, Avalon Hill or Avalon Press put it out, but it's you know it's it, you get it's a it's Planet P um, where where they all kind of have that siege you know, and you have to you have to kind of get there, and you have uh, you know little character representations of of uh, Radchek and all that kind of stuff, and uh, and but a, a big part of that movie I love I'm I'm an, I'm a self proclaimed armor file um, I love yes. uh, Colonial Marines armor um, I but I also love uh, the Starship Trooper armor even though it's not the the mech suits you know and and they've done the mech suit stuff in the cgi uh cartoons you know they they put out that that cartoon that tv series but then they also put out some like starship troopers movies nothing is as good as the original and i actually i actually like the the armor that they're wearing i like the aesthetic of the movie better than anything that they did in in the the cartoons with the cgi armor maybe just maybe they just didn't have a good designer for the armor you know it wasn't iconic but i thought they nailed it with um the 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 movie armor and i love the fact that they made so many pieces of of armor for people because that movie didn't use like nowadays if you you if you filmed it you would fill in the ranks in the background with like cgi characters but back I, then they just having trouble logging i'll call you here in a bit they 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 had um um sorry you know <laughs> me yeah sorry yeah sorry oh, i no. just got interrupted no um, no worries no worries uh, uh, well, well, we'll wrap this call up in a bit. Sorry, I got someone else who. Yes, yeah, no, start. no, but, no uh, worries. Uh, that 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 is very true. It was very, it's very easy to cosplay as it. There's many sites that sell their own customs, and uh, <clears throat> I feel like this is in the same universe as Total Recall. Just the corporation alone, they took over yeah. the Senate and everything. And I have revisited the sequels as well. The CGI cartoons I prefer more. The the movie CGI ones. Uh, even though they're unremarkable, but looking at the schlocky director video sequels, they're worth still rewatching, even though there's a lot of wrongness. There's still some interesting stuff in their second portions, just showing how basically this is an unwinnable war and everybody's just a fall guy. Yeah. Um, this is basically Starfleet if they were even more bureaucratic and impotent. <laughs> and, yes. and, and I, I remember one person even once described it as Star Wars, the Phantom Menace meets Platoon in there back when I read tons of early Amazon reviews. And I thought it was perfect. I'm like, that's exactly it. This is, you know, and Casper Vendian deserves to be a bigger star, but he's thankful just to be remembered for Johnny Rico. And I don't think this Sony reboot movie that's upcoming will have any justice on it. Troopers by itself should be embraced. It is always one of those you have to find the right people to watch it with because someone will always take it as exact face value. And Neil Patrick Harris is just fabulous in this. All the, Dina Mayer. There's, there's a lot of nudity in it. I mean, there's there's violence, def- nudity, giant space bugs getting blown in half. Uh, it's It's got literally Starship Troopers has everything. It should be the most popular movie ever made, <laughs> in my opinion. It really should. And uh, once, uh, uh, as a whole, it is one of those movies that, I think it's going to there's always someone who rediscovers it and is in on the joke. Casper has described it himself. You know, people on both political sides even draw it, which is wild because this is definitely, uh, you know, it was one of those that came out around the Gulf War and then people started reanalyzing it, you know, on the uh, other Middle Eastern conflicts. And, you know, 
other recent incidences. So I think it is one of those people are slowly coming around to it. It's just, you know, three decades too late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the only thing I'll, I'll end on um, is, is saying that uh, Rico should have shot Radchek in the head, not in the chest. So where the bullet had to go through the armor, like when, you know, when he's like sitting there dying, he's like, so oh, Rico, you, you know what to do. <laughs> he's not yet a man. And then by the end, remember, then he starts shooting people in the face. And he's yeah. like, she's, <laughs> it, it's just showing you how he's still a good old boy. And, you know, it's just, um, and, all the other actors, I, I light up anytime I see him in other movies. Clancy yeah. Brown has reprised the role in the cartoon, and he was an interesting draw to it because basically, you know, he's just like, yeah, it's fun being bug fodder, isn't it? You know, he is you. He is a part of the frill of the kill, and it never ceases to amaze me how everyone just goes over everyone's head. They, they don't. God bless it. Clancy Brown, man. <laughs> yeah, and a perfect genre star. And uh, yep. so I'm gonna wrap this up and. Uh, I'm going to let you uh, plug yourself. Sure. Uh, where can we find him podcasting after dark for those who criminally have not gone <laughs> into it yet? Yeah, you can uh, you can find me and my buddy Zach talking about cult movies uh, on podcasting after dark. You can find all the podcatcher, Spotify links and everything on the website, podcastafterdark.com. And uh, our main show, Podcast After Dark, we review movies and uh, <laughs> we break them down and review them. And, and the main episodes are about three hours long plus. So it's, it's pretty long. But we have a couple other shows uh, on there as well called uh, uh, The Watchlist and uh, – a new one that we've just put out called TV Obscura, where we talk about obscure TV shows. So hopefully we'll, we're going to have you on the watch list uh, soon as well, once we lock down a topic. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, well said. Uh, yeah. Cool. So, uh, thank you ever so much. Yeah, of course, of course. And uh, do me a favor. Just um, we'll, we'll schedule the watch list. Just uh, you know, talk to me on Instagram and let me know what you want your topic to be. And then once you lock down the topic, don't tell me the movies, you know, keep that a secret, but tell me the topic and then we will, uh, we'll, 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 we'll lock it in. So I'm pretty, pretty open next couple of weeks, you know, so let's, I'm just, let me know, let me know when you're open. Uh, perfect. Thank you ever so much. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, buddy. Have a good uh, one. And, and uh, yeah, sorry to cut this short. I just, I realized that it was going into another production meeting and they decided, Oh, let's start this earlier. But no, I will try and have you on this here way more often. There's so many other topics that I think would resonate with you even directly more. Is like just because like I know everyone's seen this, but <laughs> why do we keep coming back to it versus what's in the Metroplex now? Why does it not get old? <laughs> well, I, I'm always down, and uh, when this episode drops, I'll, I'll promote it as well. So let's just you know we'll be talking on Instagram. Just just hit me up, or you know we'll we'll talk, and uh, and I'll definitely plug it and, and give you guys a boost and everything. And uh, yeah, I'll have you on watch list and. I'm always down to come back, man. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we finally sunk, synced up, sunk up. Absolutely. It was a treat. <laughs> it absolutely was. <laughs> All right, brother. Have a good one, man. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.